Whether it's hiring me to speak at your next sales kickoff or delivering one of my high-impact story-selling workshops for your sales team virtually or in person, then don't worry, I've got your back, okay? Head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash contact to book a complimentary discovery call to learn more about how I can help you and your sales team sell more with story. Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. Ooh, I think you're gonna like this one, man. I think you're going to like this one. So the other week I appeared on Sales Lofts, Hey Salespeople podcast, and I was talking about all things storytelling, but more, I suppose, specifically, how to create better stories in 2023 and beyond. It's a short episode, it's 30 minutes. I believe it's value packed, and I wanted to bring it to you today. So I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. So thank you so much for being here. Ravi has had extensive experience in leading sales and business development teams over the course of his career. Currently, he's the founder of Ravi Rajani Consulting. Look, said it right again. You did. Um, Nailed it. Where he helps B2B SaaS teams embed storytelling into their sales process so they can engage their prospects, build trust, and drive win rates. So Ravi, you know, obviously storytelling is a huge part of what you do and, and pretty much the platform that you seem to have built this business on. Um, Mm. Let's start with just, you know, a story about you. What's going on in your life? As I said to you in the green room, these bags under my eyes are real, but they're being covered up by extensive eye cream because I'm a new dad, man. I'm a new dad, 11 weeks nearly into the game, I suppose is the best way to put it. And yeah, my daughter Zara is often keeping me up at night. So I am balancing everything, you know, trying to keep fit, healthy, eat right, grow the business, deliver workshops, speaking, looking after my daughter. So the world is an interesting place right now. I give you a lot of credit. I feel like I'm not doing half of those things and I'm not a parent. I got I got three puppies. Well, they're not puppies, but one is. Um, but that's enough for me right now. And Still working on all the eating healthy, fit stuff. So got to give you a lot of credit. You know, how did you, like, have you always been good at storytelling? Is this something that you've recently gotten into in your sales career? You know, where did it all come from? But I tell you what, I blame it on my mom because she actually miyagi me. And I remember when I was about eight years old, eight-ish years old, she literally shoved me into the same dance school as my little sister. And I remember Jenna deep down, oh, I love the stage. But on the face of it, I was so angry because I was the only dude in my entire school in dance. And I was so scared that my dirty little secret was going to be exposed to everybody. But eventually my mom let me quit and I ended up stumbling into theater as a teen. And then growing up, everybody was always like, yo, Rav, you're going to take this whole speaking, presenting or acting thing seriously because we think you're pretty good at it. And I don't know if I'd watched the movie Wall Street too many times, but I was like, no way. I want to go make some money. I want to work in investment banking. And I had this obsession with working in corporate sales on the trading floor. So, hey, that's exactly what I did. I finished up business school and I ended up working on the trading floor at Citibank in London in corporate sales. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but 
it was like over time, I started to feel out of alignment. I was like, you know what? I thought this was my dream career. Truly thought that was going to be my dream career. I was going to be in that job for the next 20 years. But over time, I started to get this little niggle and I decided, you know what? I'm going to go see what else is out there for me in the world because I feel like there's something more out there for me. So in August 2016, I decided to press eject. And that's when I entered the world of selling and building sales teams in the world of early stage startups. I decided to dabble into the world of TV appearances, radio, a bit of consulting and coaching. And then over time, I realized these three things. Okay. Number one, why do all sales presentations suck? Okay. Why is it illegal to bring your true personality to every conversation? It's like you have to be somebody professional. And that means you speak in this pitch voice, which I mean, come on, let's be real. We're human, right? And the second thing was, was why does the sales process lack effective storytelling? And the third thing was, was why are people still selling with features? <laughs> and in September 2020, that's when I launched my business. And over time, the business has evolved, but the mission is helping salespeople sell more with story. And here we are. I'm talking to you now. Yeah. And all of that led you to this very moment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think something we talked about also in the green room was, right, the, the, the concept of feature selling versus storytelling. Mm. And I think it's a really interesting thing because, you know, a lot of times product marketing comes and gives you this package deck, you know, first call deck with here's the story of what we're selling. And a lot of the times it is really the story of the features. <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, just it's a little bit muddled when you look at it that way. And I think there's there's a difference to the the corporate story that your company is telling versus the story that you're telling as again that human, maybe not with that perfectly polished pitch voice, but you know, really having something that's a little bit more unique to the needs of the customer and to you as a as an individual. So would love to hear your thoughts. Let's just start off with your thoughts on how do you make that story your own? Sure. Let's, let's dump feet. But, you know, I think people say that a lot. If we're being real, people say, you know, ditch feature selling, but not many people are providing a tangible alternative that salespeople can actually implement in a way that yields success in a in a repeatable way. And one of the best ways to explain it is I, and I think by the way, as I preface this with the, or rather I preface this with the, the following words that I think marketing teams, et cetera, are doing the best that they can with the resources that they do have. And I think sometimes there's a confusion between what a story actually is and how it differs from any other form of a narrative. So for example, a mission statement for me isn't necessarily always a story. A case study isn't a story. There's a time and place for both. But for me, a story has some really significant and key elements. And it all boils down to this one quote that a dude called Ralph Emerson once said. And he said that the creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. And I actually believe that creation of a thousand relationships is in one story. So if I take a look at an acorn, if we actually break it down, it's an acronym and it's an acronym for five key ingredients for crafting a compelling sales story. So would you be open to hearing those ingredients? Absolutely. Go for it. All right, let's get it. Let's go. So <laughs> a, a in the acorn checklist stands for attention grabbing, meaning your stories need to be attention 
grabbing. Now, Jenna, here's what I mean by that. Have you ever been to the mall and you've gone up the escalator and you literally put one foot in front of the other and you're like, oh yeah, minute later, you're at the top and you're walking into a shop. Okay. You've done that probably a million times before, but have you ever put your foot on an escalator, but it breaks or it's broken and suddenly your legs go like jelly when you're trying to walk up it? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You're like, whoa, what's happened to my legs? Because your mind is used to putting one foot in front of the other, standing still and going up the escalator and less than a minute later, arriving at the destination. But all of a sudden, there's been a pattern interruption, which forces you to pay attention and focus. And that is what we need to do at the start of any story. Create a pattern interruption, which forces our prospects to give us their attention. So we've got to be unpredictable. Okay, we can't start with, so we're so great. And this is, you know, our company's been founded for 25 years. And like, no, and here's our list of all of our clients that use us. And yeah. this is, you know, we serve X amount of customers. Yeah. Exactly. And been through many a pitch like that. Exactly. So, how can you start a story with an effective hook so you can be attention grabbing? Now, C stands for in the ACORN checklist, contain a relatable main character, meaning your stories should contain a relatable main character. Now, for example, there's a lot of hurt going on in the tech world right now with layoffs and some crazy statistics. You know, when you hear, for example, the amount of people that have been laid off who are struggling to make ends meet and what are they going to do? And you hear that 11,000 people have been laid off here. It can feel quite personal, right? But what can feel even more personal is not the headline of 11,000 people laid off at Meta, but Rabbi Rajani, who was the SVP of sales based in San Francisco, who's been now been let go. And he had put everything into watching his team grow. Day and night, blood, sweat, and tears, but now he's been let go without notice and he can't support his family. So when you think about the human being, we can relate to another human being. That's who we can connect with because people buy from people, not necessarily companies. So your story should contain a human being as the main character, not a company, not, you know, when you hear customer success stories, we helped Microsoft increase their, I mean, really? How can somebody see themselves in Microsoft? But somebody can see themselves in Ravi Rajani, the SVP of sales at Microsoft. So ensure that you insert a relatable main character who is a human being and ensure that it's somebody who has a similar DNA to your prospect, meaning the right story with the wrong prospect is still the wrong story. Then we move to O. Okay. Now O stands for organically unfold within a simple story arc. So I used to have this friend called Rich Jenna. And every time I used to see him, he'd be like, dude, let me tell you the story. And I'm a sucker for a good story. So I'd be like, yeah, go for it. 20 minutes later, I was like, oh man, this dude has just wasted 20 minutes of my life. There was no beginning. There was no middle. There was no end. I was like, where's this going? So the same should apply for your sales stories, meaning they should follow a core sequence of events. Now, the most simple of story arcs for me includes four elements, context, conflict, turning point, transformation. So the context is where you introduce the date, time, and setting and your main character. The conflict is where that main character experiences a really big challenge, right? It's where the villain enters the story. And then there's a turning point, the beginning of the transformation, the aha moment. And then you've got the transformation 
Okay. Your main character goes from pain to glory and they're victorious. So think about it. Your story should follow a really simple story arc. And then R of the acorn checklist, and I kind of alluded to it before, stands for reveal a villain. Now, when I was a kid, Jenna, I used to hate Jafar from the movie Aladdin. I hated him, right? But it was to the point where I was, I hated him so much and I was rooting for Aladdin so much because of the high levels of tension and obstacles he was creating for the genie and Aladdin, right? So you've got to remember, every good story has a hero and a villain. Who is the villain in the eyes of your ideal clients? Is it the regulatory climate? Is it retention in your sales team? Is it poor win rates? Is it spending more time updating the CRM versus selling? I don't know what it is, but what is the villain? And make sure you illuminate it in your story. And then N stands for nurture trust. So we don't want to be up here pitch slapping people, right? We don't want to be going from zero to 100 real quick and telling people, hey, do you want to buy my product within one minute of meeting them? So it should focus on ending with a call to action, which meets the buyer with where they are at, not with where you want them to be inside of your sales process. There's clearly just a lot of elements into, you know, it's the ACORN acronym that you just said. And it's funny to think also came from, you know, Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson of all places. But, you know, when, when you're looking at all of this, where do you start introducing the story? Because I think a lot of the time, right, you're saying that nurture trust being the last element of it is meeting the buyer where they're at. Obviously, you have to do discovery before all of this. So, mm -hmm. so at what point in the sales process are you really introducing this story and getting to to the part, you know, to that hero arc? Yeah, it's a good question, and you know, it's one of the things I'm actually teaching inside of a story selling course that I'm actually delivering for the Pavilion community right now, which is a big sales community. And one of the things I was telling them last week was, look, there's so many different stories that you can share, like the founder story, the company creation story. There are so many different ones you can share. But I believe that there's five stories right now that personally reps can be crafting, which is help them at different stages of the sales process. Now, this is different for the ones that the companies need to be crafting with their marketing and product teams, for example, but we can touch on that later. But personally for sellers, if you look at an elevator story, that is one which should spark intrigue, right? Spark intrigue and create interest. So if somebody has less than 40 seconds to describe what they do, who they serve and the problem they solve, at a networking event, on a call. That is an example where you could share a tight elevator story. For example, let's look at another one, a personal story. Now, we all know that, well, for me anyway, trust is very, very important in any type of sale. Because I personally, when I'm making a high value purchase, Jenna, I look at the following things. Can I trust the seller? Can I trust the company? And can I trust that the solution is actually going to solve my problem? So one way to develop trust and a connection is through a high impact personal story. So you can have your prospect exchange one with you in return. For example, like what you did saying, oh, at Halloween, I used to dress up as Jasmine, right? You exchanged one in return because of that story. So a high impact personal story. The third one is a customer success story designed to accelerate trust. So for example, if you're an SDR trying to book a meeting for your AE, it could be a customer success story that is shaped around the transformation somebody received by engaging in a demo. Not, hey, three years down the line, they're doing this, they're doing that. No, conversion for them could be what life looks like 
when somebody gained an aha moment from experiencing a demo with the AE. Or it could be used in a demo, you know, multifaceted in many places. Another story is the cost of inaction story. So I think in times like this, right, if you think about conversion piece, a lot of people focus on the ROI. But in times like this, focusing on the cost of inaction can actually be quite powerful. You know, a lot of teams are pulling back. A lot of people are in analysis paralysis. But what are they going to lose by not changing the status quo? So that's a story you can share. And the final one out of the five I think is super important is how to reverse resistance. Once again, this could be used by an SDR or an AE at any stage of the process, but how to handle objections before they arise, right? Through the art of story. So somebody can rehearse handling that objection in their own mind. So once you do get to that point where it traditionally turns up, you've got less resistance. Think for an enterprise rep or just any sales rep who's trying to tell a story, yeah. it might be overwhelming to know where to start. Yes. I know that obviously you can follow the acronyms, you can follow all the components of it. So if you have an example you know, of anything, I mean, even if you can use your own company, would love to hear Maybe that elevator story since, you know, it's the short version. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So when it comes to an elevator story, what you got to think about is how can you spark intrigue? So for example, I have eight second versions, 12 second versions, whatever it might be, but here's one that could be used to share. Here's an exact script, an exact template, and I can break it down for you as well. Of If somebody asks you, what do you at a networking event? Here's a 45-second example of what you could share. You open to me sharing that? Absolutely. So, Jenny, you say, so, Rav, what do you guys actually do? And I say, okay, so, Jenna, imagine for a sec that you're the VP of sales for a CRM solution based in San Francisco. But here's the thing, my friend. You are actually secretly worried about hitting your number every single quarter and your headache just won't disappear because your sales team are stuck selling with features and struggling to close deals. Now, I know that most teams want to create an amazing experience for their buyers. They want to increase ACV and they want to sell in a way that builds trust. And here's the cool thing. That is the exact thing that I'm obsessed about. I help SaaS sales teams ditch feature selling and sell more through storytelling. What about you, Jenna? What do you do? Oh God. It's like trying to explain RevOps to my mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So here's an example though. And, and the thing is, I mean, again, I for I would probably be on features, right? When I talk about yeah. RevOps for the most part, I'm saying, you know, data processing systems, cross-functional communications, all those buzzwords, kind of something about management consulting, duct tape and bubblegum, just kind of random words. But I, I really liked there for you, how you said, imagine you're in this position, right? Mm. It, it really went with everything you said before about really making a relatable hero. And in this case, you're making that person in the shoes of the hero immediately. And I love that. And that's a really important point, Jenna, is that immediately you hopefully became the main character because you imagine yourself going through this. And we can talk through the psychology if you'd like, but you mentioned something really interesting, which I was actually talking to a client about, which is how can you simplify something in less than 10 seconds. So you earn the opportunity to actually share that story I just shared, because that is a 45 second story, right? So you're not always going to have the opportunity. So this client has something along the lines of, so you know how Amazon created a marketplace for books? Well, that's exactly what we're doing for X. 
and they're doing it for the the metals industry, but you can insert it for absolutely anything. So then somebody should crinkle their forehead, be purposefully confused, tilt their head and go, like, what do you mean? Tell me more. And then you could share that 45 second elevator story because there's a time and place for both. But that's a real example of how to explain something in a really succinct way that anybody can understand without confusing them. Right. And it's the attention grabbing part, right? You're mm. saying, oh, Amazon did this thing. Obviously, yeah. we all knew it as an online bookstore. And now look at them. Um, exactly. <laughs> but you know, now we're trying to do the same thing along these lines. And it's not even the same thing. It's just making it relatable in a way, right? I mean, yes. I mentioned my mom, right? It's <laughs> trying to explain what I do to my mom. She has no clue. <laughs> no clue to this day. She's yeah. She was a school teacher, but it was, you know, one of those things where I was like, mom, I just kind of like help adults do their job better. You yeah. know, like, and I think that explain like I'm five is always good, but that's also another example of a story, right? So I think there's, there's a line, right? You don't want to make it too simple where you're treating someone like they're five. Exactly. <laughs> you want to make it relatable enough so that it's taking something complex and, and simplifying it. And I'm after this, I think I'm going to work on my, uh, my personal RevOps pitch of what I do. I love it. Well, I can support you with that, my friend. And it's funny when I talk to my wife, she's like, what do you do again? I'm like, okay, so we've definitely spoken about this over the years. And when I hear her describing to others what I do, she's like, yeah, so he helps salespeople like speak. They're, they're always confused and they go like, what? So like English is a foreign language stuff. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I like, yeah, just like speak. Right. And you know, what's funny. That's not her fault. That's my fault. Because when you think about your internal champions, they need to be armed with the right story to share internally, because they're going to be sharing that narrative. And if you haven't armed them with the right story, pfft, good luck. So I now I'm like, okay, Sophie, this is exactly what you're going to say. So you know, when sales teams and I've written it out for her, right? I'm like, here you go, say this. And she's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm still going to say you just help salespeople speak better. I'm like, all right, cool. Go for it. <laughs> if you can master the story of what you do to your parents who might have no idea what the industry is even like, again, my mom oh, was yeah. a school teacher. My dad was in the music industry before that, yeah. you know, had its fun downturn, but you know, they have no idea, no idea what it is like day-to-day -day. tech companies are just a foreign thing. If you can explain to them what you do, you can explain it to a prospect. So I'm something I'm going to work on. I'm going to learn from this. Well, I'm actually thinking about for you, which is like the analogy of sports teams having coaches to enable them to perform at their highest level. So yeah, that's what I do for software companies. So it's like the similar analogy that anybody can really understand with that. No, I think that's the one thing that I see sellers often struggle with is they don't like scripts or they don't believe in scripts. Now, here's my belief, right, around that is the TVs you love, the TV shows rather that you love and the movies you devour, guess what? They were all scripted. For me, it's not about having script own you. It's about owning the script. And once you truly can rehearse it in a way that it becomes second nature, that's when you can personalize it. And that's when you can have freedom within your script. But I think sales salespeople often just go, ah, oh, I don't like scripts. And I tell them, man, things that you love, they're scripted, but people have just rehearsed them enough that it sounds unscripted, right? So that's the beauty. And it's one of those things where storytelling is good for no matter what kind of sale you're in, right? Mm. It, I think enterprise, we see it a lot more because maybe that commercial or very transactional business, you're just, you're reading a script, you're going through it, you're, you're flying through that. But to your point, right? having a framework or an outline, like it, like that counts as a script too, right? Understanding what is your story. And then it's going to be different every time, right? Or 
you're able to, especially when you're relating and you're putting that person you're speaking to in the shoes of that hero, right? Yeah, I'm with you. So think about as a seller, just because somebody admits their pain, you can't just launch straight into a customer success story about how you've helped somebody handle that problem because it doesn't really make somebody, once again, feel seen, heard, or understood. So here's an example of what one could do. Now, a dude called Ty Bennett talks about something called the power of two. And it's about asking two high-impact questions before you do launch into a story. So what I would challenge sellers to do is think about two high-impact questions you could ask once you do elicit of the pain, right? And the problem and the underlying problem, instead of launching straight into the story, how can you ask two questions? So for example, the first one could be an open-ended question, which is, can you tell me a little bit, Jenna, about the time when you actually realized that this was a real problem for you? So that is an open-ended question, which would require a story as a response, right? Instead of how long have you suffered with this issue? One year, two, two months, three years, there's a time and place for both style of questions, but an open-ended can broaden the conversation. And then follow up with, can you tell me more about that, for example? And then you talk about your customer success story. And that's way more authentic for me anyway. That's my belief. Right. And you're able to sprinkle on that empathy in between, right? I yes. think, I mean, I've, I feel like I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, so sorry if I'm, if I'm being repetitive, but I, I just, there's yeah. one discovery call that, or one sales interaction I had as a buyer that always sticks out of my mind. And it was... You know, we did a discovery call. It was, I went through everything. I gave that story, right? And then we get on the broader call, the demo with, you know, he had his sales engineers. I had my team on the call. And five minutes in, I had to cut it short because it was just one of the, like, you didn't listen, right? Like it, it was, I know there was a lapse maybe in between those questions and the, you know, the customer success story. But the story they started with was clear that they didn't listen to anything I said. And I, I cut the call short and we ended the conversation because it wasn't going to be the right fit for the product. But I think it's, you know, showing that you listened. And even if it, there is a time lapse between that initial discovery where you do ask those questions and the story that you're telling later, I think that is important to bring up at the next call, right? Here's what I heard. This is, this is how, you know, I recognize things. Am I wrong? Is there something I missed? And then you kind of go back into it and then you give that opening again to tell that story. Yeah, I love because it's extracting the buyer's story, right? And what is currently they're struggling with it, are struggling with, but also listening to them. So you can recap their current story using the same language as them, understanding their tonality and the some of the vulnerability inside of what they are secretly struggling with. You know, somebody might actually be struggling with something that they may not have mentioned, right? Which you actually spotted. For example, I've struggled with deals where even though a individual inside of an organization does feel like this product could solve their problem and that on paper, their company's a perfect fit, that person's just been passed up for a promotion maybe, and they're angry. So as a result, they don't want to bring any new ideas into the company because they're just feeling, right? So there's all these hidden pains that we need to understand and elicit because it's uh, we're dealing with human beings at the end of the day. So understanding the personal story and the professional story is super important and recapping it. Yeah. And people do generally like to talk about themselves, you know, when, when they are feeling like they can relate to the other person and the more you get someone to open up, the better your conversation is and the better your story is at the end of the day. 
And then you get that story for the next customer interaction. I know. I think, you know, we're, we are coming up on time. So are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any last piece of advice or anything that comes to mind for you? I think there's a lot of advice and thoughts and strategies, which I've spoken about today, which in hindsight, there's a lot of info. It can feel like a fire hose worth of information. But if there's one thing you could do tomorrow, after listening to this episode, to really see who could be an impactful storyteller in your team, try this exercise. Okay. So tomorrow when you're on your, you know, virtual morning team meeting, say, Jenna, do you mind sharing in, you know, 60 seconds, something that you're super passionate about outside of work right now. Okay. Now everybody listen up because Jenna's actually going to pick three people who are then going to recap exactly what she said, share a story about why it's important to her and try and use as much of her language that she uses as possible, right? All of a sudden, everyone pays attention because nobody wants to be the person who didn't listen to Jenna. But here's the interesting thing. Jenna gets to choose the one person that made her feel the most seen, heard, and understood. And as you said rightly today, you know, the the basis for being a good storyteller is being able to listen effectively. And from that exercise, you'll get a very good grasp of who in your team is a good listener and who isn't. I love that. Honestly, there's a lot of exercises I feel like I'm going to do after this of making myself a better storyteller. So this was this it. was helpful selfishly for me as well. Hopefully it was helpful for everyone else. Oh, okay. Okay. Hold on. So you thought that this was the part of the show where I say something like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, if you did enjoy the show, then please drop us a review and do share it with a friend. Well, I'll tell you what, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be predictable here. Okay. Do share it with a friend and do drop us a review. If you got some value from today's episode. Okay. So if you want to impact people, remember you need to learn how to influence them first. Oh,